the ultimate multitasking for the thinking modern marketer. Podcasts that help you future-proof yourself for your career and keep at the cutting edge of knowledge and technique. I'm Diane Young, co-founder of The Drum, introducing the best of debate from industry leaders, brought to you from the buzz of the drum arms at the can line. Pour yourself a pint and slap on some sunscreen to get into the vibe and enjoy our audio brought to you by our friends at Contented. And if you want more, subscribe on thedrum.com. Cheers. Hey everyone, I appreciate it's very busy, but this is going to be quite something. Um, I'm Stephen Leptak, I'm editor of The Drum, and welcome to The Drum Arms and Cans. So, the plan for today, what uh, when we were coming up with, uh, we wanted to do something really special at The Drum Arms, and the idea was that I wanted to try and get two people that I have never seen talk to each other in public and invite our audience along to actually be the flies on the wall. And I can't believe I've got Ryan Whipple and Sir Martin Sorrell to talk to each other. Can't believe that. Uh, this is slightly Rosie's fault as well. <laughs> Let me outline the significance of what you're about to see. Brian Whipple, the chief executive, uh, global chief executive of Accenture Interactive which owns agencies like Karmarama, Fjord, and most recently, Droga5. I think that's a pretty significant business right there for the advertising industry. Welcome to the pub, Brian. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm trying to build this. Sir Martin Sorrell. It's, it's sort of going... Go on, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> As I come to you, go with Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir Martin Sorrell, who for four decades made WPP the biggest advertising network three, in the three world. Three decades, so let's get the facts right. Okay. <sighs> it's never easy. Three decades, nearly four. Um, and is now running what I would say is the upstart of the industry. The I, I wasn't sure how like that. The disruptor. the disruptor, okay. Well, Accenture. Accenture is the disruptor. Yeah, but you started them. Building no, no, building. You're a disruptor, aren't you? Do you want oh, no. to do this? <laughs> I, I just, you really want there to be like an actual rumble, don't you? I, it's going that way. <laughs> and I'm getting into it. You're, 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 you're like, screw all the actual content. You just want some oh, action. Oh, no, I want content. Yeah. Yeah. There needs yeah. to be yeah. content. We're going to end up in violent agreement, actually. End uh, of this I think, That's where we're going to end up. Yeah, I, I would say in general, Accenture Interactive, uh, not intentionally, not hesitantly, but has wound up as a disruptor. As a, but that's what's Absolutely. happened. It's, it's not like you. You're not like you say, "Hey, I'm going to disrupt the advertising industry or the media industry or anything like that." You yeah. you come up with a strategy to add value to clients and to grow business and grow, create a return for your shareholder. And in this particular case, it has changed things on the periphery. But we are not principally an ad agency. So you you highlighted a couple of you know components of Accenture Interactive, which are critically important. But those are just some components, and this is the law much more. of unintended consequences. Yes, I think I would agree with that. Um, well, so one, one all. No, we've not started. So, S4 Capital, I've not even mentioned yet, which in the last year has bought uh, Media Monks we and. Bought. It's oh, very sorry. important. We merged with, because it's an important distinction. But go ahead, Steve. Thank you. Keep putting your foot in your mouth. It's I'm, not, <laughs> I'm quite happy with the direction there so far. I'm Mighty Hive as well. Any more to come soon? Well, Prog Media, as, uh, as okay, you, yeah. you failed to mention that, and then Caramel Pictures. And we might have something for you later this week. We'll this see. week? Yeah. Damn, that should have asked privately, shouldn't I? But you will not get the exclusive. Oh. 
not even got halfway through the introduction. So, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have five rounds, that's where the rumble part comes from, but really it's five short conversations between Brian and Martin talking about industry trends. Now, I asked the two of them to suggest five each, and what I've done is I've gone through the ten altogether and chosen five. I wanted you guys to do it, but for the speed of trying to get through this, I'll choose the five topics that you two will discuss. On the five minutes, it's going to be a hard stop. I gave you five. You gave me five. Weren't they the Have same you collaborated? Five? I thought that, yeah, we collaborated. No, no, you didn't. We collaborated. No. So, five... Oh, after five minutes, hard stop, and we'll move on to the next one. And we are going to hear the viewpoints of two of the most significant people in advertising in the next half an hour. Are we going to get the audience to participate as well? What do you want them to do? Well, ask questions or comments. Or well, whatever. let's see how much time we have at the end. If you want to take questions, we can do it. Right? I'm good. Are you nervous yet? Are you nervous Bring it on. Yet? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so the first topic. <sighs> Is the advertising industry still relevant? I'm going to step back and let you two discuss. Yes. 100% yes. Anyone, products will still need to be marketed, advertised, emotions created, beauty seen, all those things. 100% yes. Just because advertising firms at their core are lower growth, that doesn't mean that advertising is going away. It might mean that in some aspects it's been a bit commoditized. I mean, those of you in this room probably know a little bit of our philosophy, that brands are now built more through holistic experiences than from pushing messages. If you feel, if I tell you this way about a thing sooner or later, consistently over and over again, different vehicles, sooner you're gonna feel that way. And I think to some extent that's historically been accurate, but I don't think that's the case now. It's not the case for many of the leading digital brands, and, but it's not gonna go away. It's just gonna be morphed with technology and creativity together, and it, of course it's not gonna go away, 100%. Yes, it is still relevant. So uh, I would say yes, but it's changed. So what we sought to do, and you know, Pete here and Victor and Wes here, Chris Martin's here as well, uh, Scott Spirit I think is also here. Um, and I think what we, all, what we all feel is that there are a number of very significant changes that have taken place. We're very focused on the mantra, uh, and I know that this causes some, I mean, I had a session with Roxanne just a few minutes ago, and I mentioned the mantra of faster, better, cheaper, um, which is one of our four core principles. But we're very focused on digital, and if I look at the industry, it's a $1.7 trillion industry. About 500 billion is in the old stuff, the, the media and digital. About 500 billion in market research and public relations, etc., and about 700, million, 700 billion in trade budgets, where Amazon is very focused. But we're interested in the first 500. And just to Brian's point on, on growth, the traditional stuff is only growing at about two or three. Actually, it's probably declining. The whole industry, that 500 billion is growing at three. Digital stuff is growing at about 20%. Google grows at 17% in the last quarter and loses 7% of its market cap. But we should all have that problem at 17% growth. So the growth is there. and. And when we talked last year in the, these premises or nearby, we said we identified three areas. I mean, we can't do what Accenture does. We can't do the, the breadth and the scale, obviously, given that we're a, a, a peanut or a pimple or a coconut in comparison. 
but we're focused on three areas. First party data, driving digital content, advertising content, and programmatic. And it's a loop. And that's where the models change. It has to be agile. It has to be faster. It has to be better in terms of use of this technology. And it has to be more efficient. Maybe cheaper is the wrong word. More efficient. Because that's what the clients are demanding. And I think, so the answer to your question is, from my point of view, and Brian, I think, agrees with it, is it, it's essential, but it's really changed. And the traditional agency model, and a number of people in this room who work in those, in those groups, is just not fit for purpose currently. It has, it has to change. And just one final point, now on Friday we're doing a session with Marion Goodall from uh, Burning Man, and the reason that I thought that was a good idea is I think to my mind that's a metaphor what has to happen in the industry. The industry has to change violently. We, we are able to do that because we start from scratch. They are able to do it because they come at it from a, a different part of the industry, not the traditional part. But the existing player is going to have a very tough time as listed companies to change as rapidly as they possibly can. So. Uh, much to your dismay, I don't take any issue with that. I would also point out that, I mean, the companies that he's brought into his fold recently are great companies, well run by super smart people, creating great content. Uh, I mean, that the world does need super slick, high-end digital content rendered in a more agile way. I mean, that's, that's a fact. That is on the right path for sure. One of the interesting things about the question, though, about is advertising still relevant, and it's easier to discuss in a pub than in an amphitheater, is that, uh, you know, 40, I think it's 41% of companies that were in the S&P 500 in, uh, 19 years ago, in the year 2000, 41% are, they have either been acquired or have gone bankrupt or otherwise gone away. They do not exist as an entity today. 41%. So. You can think that's good, bad, indifferent, surprising, not surprising, but why is it, though, that there seems to be in the broader communications and agency business, advertising business, this, this notion that, that that level of change should not be happening to us or, or it's somehow it's surprising, which surprises me, actually. So why, why would advertising and holding companies and, and marketing technology companies be different? Why wouldn't they well, also have similar morphings? Yeah, which we're so that's five it's, minutes. It's, it's, it's normal. Well, just uh, no, there's an important, <laughs> important point. Let, let, I do you break the news. So one of, one of Accenture's competitors, I guess, McKinsey, there was a woman at McKinsey that did an article precisely on this point. You know, why is it, I mean, the average life of a company was 17 years uh, in the S&P 500, or FTSE 100, whatever it was. And she had three hypotheses. The first was brilliant CEOs. And I'm very sad to tell you wasn't brilliant CEOs. Secondly was cost cutting. And I'm glad to tell you that it wasn't cost cutting. The third is go where the growth is. It's an obvious point. It's not rocket science. It's not Einstein stuff. It's really trying to find, and that is precisely what we're trying to do at S4. So we find the growth in first party data. We find the growth in digital advertising content. And we find the growth in programmatic. And that's in my mind, the key. At some point in time, we'll all have to pivot because the growth can't carry on forever. But it's really finding the top-line growth. And if I think back to WPP and Sarches, Sarches was about globalization. 
WPP was about continuous continuation of globalization and technology. What S4 is about is, to, is, is much more focused, more limited globalization, actually, and more focused on technology. So to probably continue that quite closely then, the next topic, what is the best approach for the holding companies uh, next? That what is the best approach for the holding companies next? Well, I, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not, um, I'm not running one or trying to run one. I, I think it's if I look at the six, the six big ones, the ones that are featured in Campaign's article about in relation to cat, it's just let's go, go through them by size. Omnicom is now the biggest, and but a fraction of the size Accenture, you're what, 115 billion? Market cap? Yeah, 115, about 45 billion or whatever revenues. And, you know, Omnicom is, I think, 15 or 16 billion dollars, so it's six to seven times bigger. Um, you look at Omnicom, I've said this before, I'll say it again, John Renner hasn't got a strategic bone in his body, but, <laughs> but, 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 in terms of performance, the company has been superb. The stock peaked at $94, I think it trades at 79 Given what's happened to it, or the industry, and what we've been discussing, it's really done brilliantly. But they haven't strategically moved. You know, they've got their verticals. And to, you know, I was reading some of the stuff that Brian's written in interviews, and he talks about the verticals that bedevil the, the agency holding companies, and they haven't really moved the needle. WPP has tried to move the needle, but it hasn't gone as far as number three publicists, which has really moved the needle strategically and structurally, but I think has, has created, has lost more value today than it had before. I mean, if I look at the strength of Saatchi or BBH or Leo Burnett, it really isn't, they're not what they were a few years ago. And I'm, direct knowledge of what Sarge is like. You then go on, I think Dentsu is the best position. It has a focus on media, it has a focus on digital, and it has a focus on data. I think Merkel was an expensive acquisition, but it was, it, it was a good one. And then IPG, actually, of all the six, is doing best. Again, because I don't think strategically they really push the needle as publicists and WPP have. So maybe in the short run they gain, like Omnicom gains, in the long run, it's an issue. Havas has disappeared into Vivendi, and actually Vivendi is the biggest. They're capped, capped at 30 billion euros, so they are a third of the size, or a little bit more, let's say a quarter of the size of them. So they all have the same problem, Steve. They're, you know, they're publicly quoted companies. Maybe, maybe Havas, in a way, has got the, the best of the deal because it's buried inside a bigger entity, and you can't see actually what's going on there. So I guess, you know, my take on that question is what would you ask or advise the holding companies to do? I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, first of all, I guess I'd say to this audience and to anyone that has ever had the situation to listen to me is that I openly will tell you it's not my area of expertise. Um, I mean, I did spend time uh, pre-Accenture Interactive briefly uh, in Omnicom and IPG, um, but uh, if, I add, if I bring my leaders together and I see a couple of them around this room, around the, we, we get together around the globe like most management teams as you know, one Accenture Interactive, and if I look at the last, I don't know, two or three years, and I add up 
all of the, com the co a composite sum of all of the minutes when my leadership has been together and we've talked about uh, how we compete with or what WPP, Publicis, uh, even Dentsu, Omnicom, IPG, Havas, what they're doing, if I add up all of those discussions and all of those minutes, it would add up to a whopping sum of zero minutes. And that is not uh, at all a notion of disrespect or anything. Um, it's a notion that we are in an adjacent business uh, and I think Sir Martin is infinitely more qualified to comment on the state of the state at those five or six companies than I am. I, I can tell you just as a consumer and as someone that has, has you know, certainly a lot of the talent in Accenture Interactive has spent time in those, in those companies, uh, I would tell you that I, I don't think they've been the fastest to move and uh, none of them have, while they've and this is just made more of an observation than it is an insider knowledge or professional opinion. Uh, you know, they've you know, combined entities and they've gone from this many P&Ls to this many, but it's still too many. And none of them have taken the, they've taken the approach of taking the big poison pill and a major restructuring, I mean a major restructuring and break the news to their shareholders for you know, 18 months. None of them have done that and emerged out the other side. And I'm not saying, I'm, I am not um, an equity analyst that would be, Fair to judge that, but I just would say that, um, you know, having those different founders' cultures presents certain challenges. Having a lack of technology skills as technology has morphed with creativity, which is largely what this festival is about, presents inherent challenges. Um, and our growth, if it, is, if, if it is at the expense of them, that is a byproduct, not an intention. So. I, I'm, I, mean, I feel ill-equipped to advise them, I guess it, would it be my be, It summary. may be that simplicity is the hobgoblin of small minds. It may be that spreadsheet management doesn't work. It may be that our business is, businesses are in, inherently much more messy. I mean, I look at Accenture, to be blunt, I mean, I was doing, in preparation for this, I was looking at 23 or 30 acquisitions that you've done over the last 10 years. I think it's your 10th anniversary since you sort of went to some, some bar somewhere in Boston and or you and others mapped out on a, on a napkin concentric circles as to what happened. And here we are 10 years later with a $8.5 billion uh, business with 25,000 people. So, what, but the, I think it's gonna be very difficult. And again, I come back to the Burning Man thing, which is about creative destruction. It's not about evolution, it's about revolution. And to Brian's point, I think you can only do it in private. I don't think you can do it in public. I, I think it's, so if WPP goes private, or Omnicom goes private, or publicists go private, it's much easier to do that out of the glare of publicity. The other thing is, is breakup, to be you know, controversial. I mean, if I was Brian, I would cover Group M. Group M is, let's say, Group M actually structurally inside WPP is about the same thing as Censure, Interactive. I was looking at the numbers, you're about a quarter of a third of the business, quarter of the business. And Group M is about a quarter of the business as well for WPP. That to my mind, if, you know, when I see you doing programmatic, I would say, you know, I see you doing these smaller creative acquisitions with your culture of cultures and that raises a, warning, a red flag in my mind because how do you unify all these companies uh, in a meaningful way? 
I know you want to preserve the cultures of what you say, and I understand the importance of that, but I think it's very difficult to do. So instead of going for 30 small ones, I'm thinking, you know, you're talking about programmatic, you're talking about media planning and buying, why not go for, and Group M is a very, very good business. Um, Mediacom voted agency of the year here this, for this festival. It consistently does well. Mindshare's a great agency. Wavemaker maybe are having a little bit tougher time recently. Essence is outstanding. I mean, these are good, these are good businesses and good agencies. So I look at it and I think, you know, if I was at Accenture with a $115 billion market cap, you know, I could buy Group M for $10, $15 billion. I would be, I would be pretty tempted by that, Brian. <laughs> Do you want a minute? <laughs> what? Okay. Do you want to come back on that? Would you like me to? I'm yes, happy please. to. Of I'm course I to. want you to come back. I'm just going to go. <laughs> so, no, it's all good. So, uh, I think that makes, uh, first of all, Group M is, is a, from what I've seen, um, a group of very smart, intelligent, um, I, I, I agree with what you said about them. I think that's a fair characterization. And their business is closer to what we do than maybe other parts of WPP. That's also, is it's this, also. Is also this fair. a nibble? A nibble? It sounds, um, sounds to me like a nibble. Um, you'll find out in a second. But I would, I would this say. This is a big story I, for I, you this week. I would say, <laughs> I would say with all due respect, that commentary is seen through the lens of a holding company perspective. And we are not, I mean, we are going to, I mean, when we, when we buy companies and integrate them into Accenture Interactive, their destination is Accenture Interactive globally, not to have a basket of companies doing related things. Or, and so we're in the process of, you know, having fewer identities. Now, sometimes it takes six months, sometimes it takes four or five years. And, you know, it may not wind up as one identity, but it's not going to be a holding company concept. And when people come on board, the Accenture Interactive family, they're focused not on, I mean, they, they need to keep the lights on and keep doing what they're doing to be successful, Drogify being a classic example, but their mission is to, over time, redeploy to solving for a number of consumer problems, not to just keep selling more advertising or keep selling more programmatic or keep selling more digital media. For example, and many of you guys have seen me speak on this. So why is it that when your child you know, breaks their leg on the soccer field, you don't have an app to instantly tell you the waiting, the waiting uh, time at each of the relevant hospitals integrated with a solution on how to get there, what doctor is on call, are they an orthopedic specialist, or are they more of a gastro background, um, the uplo automatic uploading of insurance information, essentially the experience of treating a trauma injury. Why has that not been reinvented at all in the last 20 years? The same thing with uh, trying on clothes at a high-end department store. It is an incredibly cumbersome, laborious, repetitive, inefficient process. The technology is there to change all of these things, much, as like, much like Uber has changed transportation. So my point is that when I look at someone like Group M, I mean, anything is possible, but that is not on the strategic roadmap for us, nor would it be um, you know, any sort of holding company structures, that, so, those so businesses are right for no. them. I, I'm not going to earn a commission for having, having done this deal. But let, let me ask you, let me That's ask a you, no. Let, let me, let, 
let me come back to it. So I was reading the Endeavour Prospectus, you know, Ari Emanuel's Prospectus, where he's raising $100 million. Yep. Uh, it probably will raise a billion because there's a lot of demand for equity interest. And there's a very interesting little note in that, which says that um, Endeavour received $233 million for the 50, 49 or 51% that they owned of Droga 5. Now, doing my simple maths, assuming there was no control premium, and that includes the escrow account, because there was 30 that was stuck into an escrow account, it means that you paid $466 million around Droga 5. According to my figures, Droga 5 had revenues of about 200 million, and last year, it, it back with the industry to about 170. I hear what you say about Group M, and what you're saying is perhaps it's a little bit more of a traditional business, but I, I would have great difficulty in justifying to my paying 466 million for Droga 5 all up front, if that's the truth. And, and this is SEC, SEC prospectus, and it must be true. So the prospectus you're referring to, for, for those of you less familiar, uh, Arium Endeavor was one of the investors in Droga 5. So they are now in the process of going public. So that's what Sir Martin is referring to. So he's interpolating uh, based on that. And you know, I, I do not and will not ever comment on what we pay for any acquisition ever. Um, but I would argue that the the value of paying, what was the number you threw out? Four, no, no, two, the, 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 your speculation number, four, four, four sixty-six, six. Uh, versus say, five sixty-six, or three sixty-six, or you guys pick a number. The, the, the value in that range is not going to depend on some return of cash flows on Droga 5, like you're buying a widget company or anything like that. That is going. That, that financial return will be dwarfed by the synergy opportunities of putting creative minds of Droga Five, and the Monkeys, and Karma Rama, and Shackleton, and many other uh, new content from Brazil. Was with those guys earlier, um, putting those creative minds behind creating the stories and then bringing the stories to life that reinvent experiences, which include multi-year technology components running, we design, build, architect, including devices, software, and then run these things for clients. So the synergy that is created to redeploy those creative minds, in addition to, quote, advertising, you're never going to know, unless you're on the inside of that transaction analysis, what the returns are. So sorry. Well, we, we, I, but, 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 but you're never getting you're, you're, you're never going to know either, because <laughs> because here you have uh, um, and, and, and uh, the reason I say this, Brian, is that the holding companies, all of them, have done exactly the same thing. There's there's one thing that you do differently. I mean, I, I just recount a story. So I was it was February 2017, and I went in with Peter Dart, who I think still runs the Unilever business at WPP, which is Unilever being WPP's second largest client after Ford. 
And we went in to visit Keith Weed, and uh, it was, I think, February the 17th, 2017. And we went in at 11 o'clock, and Peter and I, as we were walking in, were speculating on who it was that 3G or Kraft Heinz were going to go after. And we said General Mills, maybe, or Campbell's, or Hershey, or, you know, the usual Kraft, Mondelez, whatever it is. We go in at 11 o'clock, and, and we have a two-hour meeting with Keith. And what was the purpose of the meeting? The meeting was to discuss how we could help Unilever implement the 1 billion euro ZBB program that Accenture put in. And at 1 o'clock, my phone goes off, and there's a, a tweet saying, Kraft Heinz bids 145 billion for Unilever. Now, Keith knew it was coming, but he didn't know precisely when the release came out. What was the net result of that was that Accenture got another 1 billion euro ZBB program. So I can, your, your business, to my mind, speaking as somebody who doesn't know about it, who observes it from the outside, is about very big projects. To move a $45 billion business is a very different, different job than moving a business which is less than half that size in revenues, which is WPP, or 16 billion, which is, which is Omnicom. So I think you're in a different business, and what you're doing, the Accenture Interactive is a subset of it. When we think about the holding companies, it's the whole thing. We're thinking about it in a whole thing. And what you do very well is you go in at the top, with, at the CEO level, at the CMO level, I take you as an example. Pullman, Keith Weed, Graham Pitkethley, the CFO, they've been sold in. So it, it, that's what I think you do. Now, how that translates to buying 30 creative businesses, meaning meaningful. I mean, you said publicly you don't go for the five or $10 million projects. You don't. You go for the big boys, the big girls. Yeah, I mean that that's right. And you know I don't the I am unfamiliar with the Accenture level zero based budgeting project you referred to and I just don't have really it's not Accenture Interactive and not that I couldn't find out about it. I'm sure these people would be thrilled to hear about it. But um yes. but I mean but I mean it is we we do exist within the mothership and the mothership has been very fair to us and I would say I'm relevant to Sir Martin's comment on that. I think one of the perhaps even unfair advantages we have in this marketplace is we have not the industry, but the business credibility to pitch big projects. So if you're a board of directors and you're used to paying Accenture, you know, not relating to Accenture Interactive, you know, nothing like, you know, infrastructure outsourcing or call center support or something I don't know much about, and you're used to paying them, you know, 25 million a year, but all of a sudden there's gonna be a marketing services play, managing digital content out of five countries in 12 different languages for like a pharmaceutical product you're gonna be a lot more comfortable with that business relationship with someone that does that type of thing. And so we have that, we're, we're lucky, and we have that halo effect. But I mean, with, with a... I wanna move on to the next question. Sorry, just, just one final thing. With, with, with a software company like Adobe, according to my calculation, you're about six times bigger than any of the largest holding companies in terms of your relationship with them. So you're talking about a scale and this is across the whole the whole uh, company. On, a, on an alliance relationship standpoint with Sorry. Adobe? Like yeah. a, yes, that's yes. correct. Yeah. Yes, by far. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I think we've got time for one more. How can this industry change the world for better? 
How can you guys help this industry change the world for better? Well, there, there is simply, there, there are, what we're trying to do at S4 is trying to deliver a better model for our clients in terms of the structure of what they do. I mean, at the end of the day, our focus is totally around trying to develop a new model. It's turned out to be disruptive for similar reasons as Brian explained, but what we're really focused on is trying to work with our clients to deliver a more effective model, which embraces purpose and all the subcategories around purpose. So that's effectively what we're trying to do. And just on the technology sure. point, I think, I think yeah. there is a real, a real problem on technology, the, fu the fundamental problem is, and you go back to the populism, you go back to inequality and the issues surrounding it. Underpinning all this is the fear that the middle class has about loss of jobs. I mean, I, I tend to be in the camp that technology destroys jobs rather than creates them. And I think when you look at some of the tensions that we're seeing and you see the results of them in the Trump election, the Brexit election, underpinning this is a basic concern about the advances that we're making, create wealth, drag people out of poverty, as we've seen in many of the developing nations or fast growth markets. But the fundamental issue is, does technology add to the employment stock? And that's, that's the tension. And that's what we have to focus on. So I feel very strongly on that question. Uh, anyone in Extension Reactive knows this. Uh, we are right now, and have spent a lot of time at this uh, festival talking about the intersection of creative and technology. But the world is changing, and people, loosely put, people my age, in terms of do we care about the world, the answer will be yes, absolutely. I know I do, I know people that I care about, that I consider my contemporaries do. The issue, though, is the next generation, the people that are coming up in this industry and the people that, are, that our clients are marketing to in this industry, they care more. They care more. And so it is good business to be at that intersection of creative and technology and purpose. And we are making major investments in that area. Financially, the staff we're deploying and who we're hiring and the businesses we're starting. Because, and this is how one of the major deployments of this creative talent that we're moving forward. I mean, we are working on things like, instead of getting mammograms, a largely uncomfortable procedure for women that has sketchy uh, credibility in early detection of breast cancer, we're working on things like bras with tactile and heat sensors that create a different mechanism for high-risk patients, high-risk women to detect that earlier before they even ever have a, mam a mammogram. You know, we're developing, if you look at what we're doing in Australia, we're doing the CPR army broadly equipping. I mean, so many heart attacks can be uh, maybe not prevented, but the after effects avoided if proper treatment is received. So a recruitment and certification of a broad array of people. I mean, how many of you are CPR certified? How many? Just raise your hands. Okay, I see one. Maybe I missed one, I got two, okay? So I'll double, triple that and say three, because I think there was one over there. Well, that isn't enough. So 
if all of you were, that would truly make a difference. So it's not, we are in a for-profit business, but I feel very comfortable that if we want to recruit the next generation of talent and sell into the next generation of clients, this intersection of creative and technology, which is imminent, and if you have your head in the sand about that, then that's a different story. But there's gonna need to be a purpose, maybe not in every single project, but if you look at your career over the course of a couple of years, you should be excited about what you do for work and part of what's exciting people in next generation, I believe this notion of deploying technology and creativity for good could help save a lot of employment in this industry and really create gr 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 great don't, satisfaction. Don't you think that the, the basic problem, and I would say this is a problem in the listed sector and in the private equity sector, is that it is far too short term. I mean, the average life of a CEO in the listed sector is about working life, is about five or six years. And the focus of private equity, the average hold time is about five years. Private equity is raising about half a trillion dollars of equity every year. They leverage it another two and a half on average. There's a total of three trillion a year. It's been going on since Lehman. And the whole focus, and we, we over-intellectualize this stuff. If you're in business for the long term, you are going to embrace all the stakeholders that you have. Internal stakeholders, external, NGOs and the like. And it's, it's very simple at the end of the day. Long-term brand building, which is what our business is about at the end of the heart of it, is at the core of what we do. I, I, that is a, I, I totally agree that is a challenge, but not an excuse. I mean, I look at companies like Stockholm Energy, who, any of you guys seen the memory lane solution? It's a basically a reverse artificial intelligence. One of the major pro problems in Stockholm community is they have very long lives, but loneliness sets in. Many, many people are on their own. So there is a reverse uh, artificial intelligence things where, where you know, your Google Home or other device can actually prompt you to tell stories about your loved one and how you met and can create memory books for your loved ones to pass on for generations. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm not doing it justice. But the point is, that is a for-profit company. The, the brand of that company and their relationship with their consumers is great in part because of that. So that's just one example. So I think you know, we're all gonna need to work together to find those types of things. But it's really more a matter of perspective. And I was talking on a, the Whaler panel on the hot beach, and Martin was there today, I think, yesterday. And um, we all need to kind of find a job where we can kind of be ourselves at work and if you have to kind of check into your office and change your personality to do something different there, then that's a challenge for us all. So that's what I just ask you to think about. So thank you. And thank you for that. Uh, we have well and truly run over and I bet uh, you're probably late in your schedule. So sorry about that. But that was a special, uh, that was really brilliant. Thank you both for doing that. Thank you, thank you everyone for coming. Thank you.